You're listening to the Author Stories Podcast. Bringing you the story behind the stories and the storytellers. Margaret Wyatt, Terry Brooks, Sheena Kamal, Matthew Quick, JT Ellison, Walt D. Williams, Brad Ford, Corey, Dr. O, Brandon Robin Mock, Ernest Klein, Jim Butcher, Sherwin Harris. Visit HankGarner.com for archives of all the shows. Today's guest is... Well, thanks for joining me again for the Author Stories Podcast, where I bring you the story behind the stories and the storytellers. Today, I'm really excited to have John Burley on the show with me today. He has an amazing new book. It's called Surrender the Dead. And uh, I'll tell you what, if if you're looking for a thrilling read uh, that will keep you on the edge of your seat and leave you a little... Uh, a little weirded out at the end. This is this is the book for you. This needs to be in your to-be-read pile, next to your bed, next to your reading chair, wherever you do that. This is a must-have for you. Uh, welcome to the show, John. Thank you, Hank. Thanks for having me. I'm, I'm excited to have you. Uh, John, we begin each show with the same question, and that question is, what is your first memory of wanting to be a writer or storyteller? a great question i you know i i grew up on mysteries uh thrillers in a way i when i was when i was young i became hooked on party boys mysteries and i remember uh staying up late into the night reading them and um just being captivated by the the thrill of the stories i look back at them now and and uh i i still enjoy picking them up from time to time and looking over them and i remember as i was as i was reading them i remember thinking like this is a really cool job. Wouldn't it be awesome to have a job where you tell stories, take people to other places, develop characters and um, make them real for the reader? And, I, and so I think that that was the moment that I realized that um, writing storytelling was something that I would be interested in for the course of my life. That series of books has been a gateway drug for so many uh, writers. I think, uh, you know, the, that that early um, I, I don't know what it is about it. It, it plants the seeds and uh, makes you makes you look for mysteries uh, throughout life. And I, I think that's a fantastic thing. Absolutely. And, um, you know, obviously there are, there are many different influential um, authors in the course of your life as you as you grew up. But um, that was one, that was one of the early ones. And um, just the just the thrill of, of, of kind of staying up into the wee hours of the morning, um, you know, it, the, the, those books are, are written for uh, younger readers, but uh, even even now when I when I pick them up, I I, I kind of am taken back to that time when I was reading them as a child. Now, John, you have a um, a fantastic personal story of of how you got to where you are as a writer, and um, you took the most logical path to becoming a writer by becoming <laughs> a, a fireman and a physician. Um, everyone should do that. Um, what, what was it, uh, that, uh, that brought you around to writing in the midst of, you know, these other passions that you pursued? Right. So, you know, as I, as I mentioned early on, I knew this was something that I was interested in. I, um, did some creative writing throughout the course of my younger years. And, um, when I was, uh, you know, in college, um, I, I wrote some short stories but I also was aware of how difficult it was to become a, a full-time professional writer and actually to make a living off of it. And so I, um, I became involved in other things. I 
started volunteering at my local fire department. That one thing led to another there. I became a firefighter, a paramedic, and I just sort of went down that rabbit hole and had a great time. It was one of the most interesting um, and worthwhile, satisfying um, uh, occupations that I ever pursued. Um, And then that sort of led naturally into medicine. And I wanted to know more. I wanted to do more. And so I decided to go to medical school. I figured, you know, if, if, if this whole writing thing didn't work out, at least I had had a fallback plan, which <laughs> <laughs> seems a bit ridiculous. But, um, you know, it was it was something that challenged me in a different way than writing and um, kind of stimulated a different part of my brain. But I think there's there's, you know, some connections there. And uh, and so, you know, I went through medical school. I went through an emergency medicine residency program in Baltimore. And when I finally finished, you know, it was time to, you know, start working as an attending uh, in the real world. And I said to myself, you know, uh, if I if I'm going to write a book, I better get started because I put it off long enough. And so I sat down uh, and, and, and said, well, let me see if let me see if I can tap out a, a, a first chapter and um, and see how that goes. And so I, I I did. I worked on it for the course of. Uh, a, a day or two, and 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 got in, got the first chapter finished, and I, I was pretty happy with it. I, I thought, wow, this is this is great. Like I, I'm real happy with the way this turned out. I think I, I'm ready to move on to chapter two. But of course, I had a few shifts that I had to do. I had to go to the hospital. I had to um, work for a couple of days. And when I came back after that to sit down to to start chapter two, I, I I realized I better just quickly like look over chapter one, make sure chapter one is still as as good as I remember it. And as I was, as I was reading it, I realized that someone had broken into my house and rewritten chapter one in a completely horrible way. (laughs) (laughs) And I, I, I said, well, who did this? You know, this is, this is, this, I put a lot of time and effort into this. And, and, and so I said, this, this needs to be completely rewritten. This is horrible. And so I think that was one of the first lessons in writing is that uh, sometimes your work isn't necessarily as good as you remember it when you go back and, <laughs> and, and do the proofreading. And, 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 and so um, editing, rewriting, uh, yeah, that became, that became an important lesson in, in how to move toward a better product at the end. Well, that is a, a fantastic um, uh, idea that you bring up it, is that when you're writing you kind of need to be in that passionate place. This is the best thing I've ever written. The story is just flowing. It's just coming out. And and this is amazing. And then you go back later and say, okay, well, this needs some work. I need to, you know, but they, they're, they're two different sets of glasses, uh, if you will, that you're wearing in there. And, and when you're writing, you, you need to be that passionate writer that doesn't necessarily see anything wrong with what you're writing. Absolutely. I mean, you have to write unafraid. I think that that's an, an important lesson. And so no matter what you're doing, you have to put your passion into it. If you're not writing with passion, if you're not driven, if you're not compelled by what you're doing, then that comes across to the reader. And so I think the first thing you need to do when you're when you're trying to write a book of any sort is to put your passion into that project and to and to write without having that internal editor start questioning, you know, your sentence structure and, 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 you know, where you put a comma, just, just, just put it on the page. And then once you've got that down and you, and you've said everything that you think you need to say, then you take a break and you come back later with a different set of eyes and you look at it with a more critical 
uh, viewpoint and, and you say, okay, well, how can I make this better? And, and, and obviously there's on, on, on second pass, there's so many things that you can identify now that you've had, had a chance to digest and, and look at this objectively. And so, you know, there, there's, there's many, many opportunities to make your, make your work better. And I think most writers find themselves in this, in this kind of ongoing, continuing journey of, of, of just trying to make their writing better and better. And you never really get to the point where it's perfect, right? You never get to the point where you're like, this is as good as it ever is going to be. There's always things you want to go back and tweak later. At some point, you have to decide when you're going to move on to chapter two. One thing I know, I, I know several physicians, uh, and one thing that, that I know about them is during medical school and um, those, those days of early residency, uh, there's not a lot of free time uh, that that you might have. Uh, there came a point after that, though, that you uh, you know felt the desire to to write this first chapter and see what what would come from um uh, or what would come from it. Uh, was this uh, you know did you find that you had extra time on your hands and and this is naturally where your mind went uh, or was this something that you had been thinking about you know during your training and you just never had time to pursue it. I, I feel like I never have extra time on my hands. <laughs> um, maybe a lot of people feel that way, but I, but I, you know, at, at that time, I, as I, as I mentioned, I had just finished residency. Um, so I had a little bit more time, but I was also a father. I had a six month old child and uh, anyone who's ever had a six month old child realizes you never have extra time or energy on your hands. Um, but I, but it was something that I did feel passionate about. And I realized like all things is, is you need to make space for it. And I think, you know, that's really important for writers and is that it's, it's difficult to carve out that time for yourself and to make sure that you're, you're giving yourself the appropriate amount of time and energy to create things on the page. And so for me, I just decided, you know, this, if this is going to get done, it needs, I need to allow time for it and space for it. And so I did. And so that was, that was sort of how, how I, I began. But it was it was uh, it, it, it's never it's never easy, you know. I mean, every day, you kind of struggle to, to 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 find that space, especially if you know you've got a day job or you've got you know a family or you've got a lot of other commitments that are that are all sort of vying for your attention. But um, the story itself was something that I um, just you know didn't necessarily have the story all all played out in my head before I started writing. I sort of the way I tend to write is I I start with a set of characters that I think are interesting and a situation. And I, I usually know roughly how it's going to end. And so the, the, the path is just to move from, from, from point A to point Z and discover, to discover the book along the way. Well, that was going to be my next question for you, John, was um, when you sat down to write that first chapter, um, what, were your, what were your goals? Did, did you have uh, an ending in sight, uh, or, you know, was there a, a particular author or maybe not an, an particular author, but maybe a, a, a genre, uh, was there a story type that you were sort of channeling and, and wanting to get into the vein of? It's an interesting question. And I think that, um, I, 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 maybe I should have thought about this more carefully before I began the book, because what I was interested in was story. I didn't, I didn't go into it saying to myself, you know what, I'm going to write a 
medical thriller or I'm going to write a psychological suspense thriller. Um, what I what I did was I, I said, these are some interesting characters. I started with a physician because it's part of what I knew. And I, I decided to put him in a very difficult situation and to have bad things start happening and then to see how he <laughs> responded. Right. Um, I feel bad for my characters sometimes because I beat up on them so much. And, um, and, and and I feel like, you know, you, they become sort of part of your family, but they're the part of your family that you um, are allowed to abuse on the page. And uh, and, they, and and they keep coming back. You know, they're, they're, they're still there when you sit down for the next chapter. But if you treated them fairly, uh, they would be anyone that we could just go get a cup of coffee with and have a conversation. We we buy your books because we want to see see you treat them poorly. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And it's it's in, it's interesting, Hank, because, uh, you know, I actually recently wrote a recent essay on this where I talked about how, you know, characters come from somewhere. You don't just sort of snap your fingers and characters appear on the page fully formed, you, 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 you draw from your life, you draw from people in your life, whether they're, you know, close friends or family that you've known for a long time, or maybe it's just someone that you met for a day that you thought was interesting. And you pull parts of that person into your character and incorporate that so that the character feels more real. And it's important to me when I'm writing characters, I want them to feel real. I want them to have depth and, and three-dimensional um, uh, characterization to them because it makes it more interesting. No matter what's happening in the story, you have to first care about the people that is happening. To. And so in order to do that, you have to give them personality. When, when you're drawing characters, you're drawing from people you know, your, your family. But when you write in the realm of psychological suspense thrillers, you take these people who you love and you do terrible things to them. And then you send these books out to your family and, and say, hey, I, you know, th this, this book just came out and uh, I'd love for you to take a look at it. Let me know what you think. And, but in the back of your mind, you, you, you're worried because you, you, I'm always concerned that they're going to see themselves in some of these characters and call me out on it and say, hey, you know, <laughs> you take, <laughs> take it easy on me next time. And so um, that's, that's, I guess that's just part of being a writer. Yeah, absolutely. Um, John, how long did it take you to to finish that first book? You know, um, I, I understand the, the struggles of people breaking into your house and changing what you write. Um, but how long did it take you to get, you know, from from point A to point Z on that book? Yeah, well, it would it would have taken a lot shorter amount of time if the people weren't breaking into my house and rewriting. the <laughs> Of course. Um, but, you know, with that happening, uh, it took a while. And so I, um, you know, I started it uh, in 2007. The book was published in 2013. And, it, and so it probably took me about three and a half years to write um, another six to eight months to edit. Um, and then, you know, final editing uh, took another year or so before the book was ready for publication. So it was a process. And uh, of course, along the way, I, I was working full time. I was raising that six month old to become a five year old. Um, and so, you know, there were there were other things vying for my attention, but but it was a project that that I kept pushing and and I just kind of refused to to give up on it. And 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 when you're when you're bullheaded or you're passionate, um, you're driven, then you get things done. And so the project eventually was finished. And I, and I, and I, I was so exhausted by the process, uh, not just in the writing, but in the rewriting. I, I remember my, when, uh, 
when I, when I uh, found an agent that um, was willing to represent the work, I remember one of the first questions my agent asked me when we were talking on the phone about the, about the, the manuscript. He says, um, he says, do you, do you, do you know how long this, this, this manuscript is? And to be honest, I hadn't really thought about it in that way. I wasn't, I wasn't aiming for a number of pages. I was just aiming for the completion of the story. And so sure. I had read somewhere that, that a, a novel was about 80,000 words. Um, and so I, I, I thought I was, I was like thinking, oh my, maybe, maybe I need to write more. Like I, I said, is it like 80, 85,000? And he says, uh, it's 160,000 words. <laughs> he says, he says, I can't sell it like this, you know, especially as a first time author, I, you, you need to trim it down. You need, it needs to be about half this length. And I was like, well, how is that possible? Like when every chapter is important and he's right. like, well, you have to make decisions, you know, you have to, you, this is the, this is where you, things get a little brutal. You know, you take something that you love and you start chopping it up. And you start changing it and um, and you're not necessarily convinced that it's for the better, um, but you do what you need to do. And so that that process was a bit of a leap of faith. You know, I had to um, get it down to something reasonable. And then once we got it down to about 90,000 words, then we uh, found uh, a, a publishing house that was interested in um, publishing the book. But they had their own edits that they wanted me to go through. So it was definitely a, um, a collaborative process. As for a first-time author, particularly in traditional publishing, it can be humbling. It can be um, exhausting, and it's. But it's. It it ended up being a much better book. It was more succinct. Uh, the story was more more quickly paced. And so, in retrospect, looking back on it, I realized that all of those things that these people who know what they're doing were asking me to do, they were asking me to do that not to torture me, but they were asking me to do that for a reason, which is to make a better a better book in the end to make a more compelling read. And so I think that was another important lesson is just trusting the people around you, um, having faith in the process and being willing to put in the work, whatever it takes to get the, the book to, to the best form it can be in. I'm, I'm so glad you brought that up, John, because um, I, I hear this a lot, especially from first time authors, um, that it, there, there's a tendency when you write your first book to to pour everything into it. And uh, that every word is sacred, that this came from uh, this came out of the, the the depths of my soul. What do you mean I have to cut out half of this book? Um, I, you know, when you when you when you got over the initial shock of that and, you know, took on the, the challenge of paring down this book, uh, what things did you look for that that you could take out and still maintain the integrity of the story? Um, but make it a and, you know, you find out really quick that sometimes removing things make makes the story fuller in a weird way. Um, what's what were some of those things that you looked for? I guess the first thing I did when Paul asked me to um, cut back on the book is I, I didn't take him. Number one, I didn't take him completely at, 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 at you know, uh, face value for what he was saying. He was asking me to, to to cut the book in half. And I thought what he was really asking me to do was take out a few sentences. <laughs> and so <laughs> and so I picked a chapter that I thought was uh, entertaining, but not crucial to the book. I removed that. I, re I removed a few more paragraphs here and there um, and, par and, and parsed down some wording. 
and sent it back to him. I, I think I, if my first pass through it, I, I went from 160,000 words to 148,000 words. And I said, done. And he said, okay, you're not done. <laughs> and so he said, he just, he just kept put, putting it back on me and saying, you know, I, I'm here, all, I'm here until you're done, but you know, you need to, you need to get this down to, you know, 90,000. And so, you know, send it to me when you, when you get to that point. And so uh, it's just, I, you know, finding, you, you find the low hanging fruit first, but unfortunately, and most of the time, at least emotionally, most of your work is not low hanging fruit. Most of your work, as you say, is something that you felt very passionate about, something that you put there for a reason. It's part of your soul. It's part of your body. And, and to start carving pieces out of it is like excavating your, your body and, and leaving vital organs on the floor. Um, and, and, and it's, 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 it, I, I wish it was an easier process. Um, because, you know, as, as you move from book one to book two, to book three, to book four, I, I, I like to think that I'm getting better at this. I like to think that I'm, that I'm like seeing this down the road and avoiding the situation where I have to remove things that I think are, are important that I'm connected to. But, um, with each book, my editor, um, you know, very, I, I, I love her to death and she's, and, and, and she's so smart and so, and, and, and so good at what she does. Um, but she's a source of pain for me. You know, when I, when I submit my, 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 my first draft of the book, she takes it and she sits with it for a while. And about two or three months later, she sends me a very sweet email saying, you know, she loved the book. She really enjoyed this and that. Can we, can we schedule time to talk? <laughs> and that usually means I've got a lot of stuff you need to change, and um, and here's why. And it's not easy things like I think you know the the, the sentence should open with a different word. It's like I, I don't see what the point of why this character is in the story. You need to you need to define that more, or you need to get rid of it. And that's really hard, especially when you're when when you're talking about people that you see as the antagonist of the story. And so, you know, the course of the of the, of the plot. There's these are things that are that are not easily fixed and changed. And so it's just a process each time. And, um, having, having the faith that it will get better, it will, you know, that, that you will get to the point where you look back and say, clearly, this is a better product. I think that helps you to, to push through and just to keep carving those chunks of your body out, putting, leaving on them on the floor. And hopefully at the end of the day, it's something different than you initially envisioned perhaps, but it's something better. Surrender the Dead is your fourth published novel. Is that right? That's right. So when you're uh, when you're approaching your fourth book, uh, the first book kind of sets the stage for who you are. The second book, you really find your footing and and uh, kind of entrench yourself into into who you are as a writer. Um, with your fourth book, are there certain hallmarks to your writing style to your uh, the types of books that you write uh, at this point, um, how do you feel uh, or what do you feel really makes a John Burley book? Um, yeah, so I, I write standalone psychological suspense thrillers. And so I, unlike um, many authors, I don't have a series that I that that I'm currently working on or that I have worked on before. Every book that you pick up is a new book. Um, and it's, it, there, there are new characters. It's, it's, an, it's, I, I, gen, I generally set my stories in small town America. And so I find places 
that um, just speak to me in some way. My first book was uh, set in Ohio. My second book was was set in in my hometown uh, in, in Maryland, um, and uh, my my third book was set in in Northern California. This this book is set in in, in rural Montana, and so I'm all over the map. But what I'm looking for is small towns, very insular communities where when when someone makes a choice and someone does something, it affects not only themselves, but their family and their entire community. And so I'm interested in the way that our actions affect those those around us. I'm interested in families and and, and in, in all the different forms and how how that family dynamic plays out, the things that we will do for the people that we love. Uh, when 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 push comes to shove, and so those are some of the hallmarks of of, of my stories. They're 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 small town. They're bad things happening to normal people. Um, it's not just one character struggling through it. It's it's one character struggles and how it affects their family, their community, and and how all of those different entities respond as things move along. You know, there are some really great uh, psychological thriller uh, ongoing series. And, um, you know, I've talked to lots of authors who write series um, and, you know, invariably um, there's uh, there's some built in world building, uh, if you will, uh, that comes along with writing a series. You know, you don't have to establish characters. For the most part, usually there's one or two new characters that you bring in, but they're brought in in the context of a world that most of the readers are familiar with. Um, when writing standalones, uh, how do you feel about I mean, do you approach each book as a completely blank slate? You get to start with whatever you want, um, because even though the world building is done with recurring uh, storyline sometimes you're constrained by that as well because uh you know the you've set rules for yourself and you can't break those rules do you, do you look at it uh with um with you know that that you're thankful that you don't have these constraints on you or you know would do you ever think about it boy it sure would be easy to start a new book if this was an ongoing series yeah for sure i i i oftentimes feel both of those things and so I recognize that if I was writing a series, you know, once I finish a project that, the, you know, I have to, I have to let things percolate for a while to figure out wh- what my next book is going to be. You know, what's the story? Who are the characters? Where does it take place? What, what's, what's the, what are the themes? If I had a series, I wouldn't necessarily have to um, pour all of the, all of that work into, into creating things from the beginning that I would have a character that I already knew. I, I would, a set of characters that, 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 that I knew the reader knew, um, maybe a, you know, a, a, a general story arc that, that, that tended to repeat itself from, from one book to the next. And so not having those things is, is a lot of work and, and is daunting every time you sit down with, a, you know, with at, at chapter one and you really don't know where to, where you're going, you know, right away. Um, on the other hand, it's it's also freeing. And so what I, you know, what I don't want to do is I don't want to write the same book 25 times. Um, I want to re- have each story um, speak to me and compel me in a different way, because if because that's for me as an author, that's what I need to stay motivated and and to stay um, uh, interested in the storyline. And so if I'm not 
you know, if I'm not compelled by the story, then the reader won't be either. And so I like I like the fact that that standalone fiction keeps things fresh. It, it, it you're, you're you're creating new things. Now, you know, a writer has a voice, and so you do get that same voice in each book. And so you know, you 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 can generally tell from one book to the next who the writer is, and 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 and, and people are drawn to writers for the type of stories that they write, but also they're drawn because of voice. And so that's something that's consistent from book to book. And then the other themes that I talked about are also something that, that, that that's consistent. So you have, you, you know, you, you have some uh, framework at which you can use, but um, you know, each, each story is, is, is a new story. I love that. Um, John, your new book, Surrender the Dead. Um, where did, what was the, I love to hear about the beginnings of things from from people. Um, and I know that you you mentioned earlier, um, you know, having these characters and then thinking about where they're going to go and maybe seeing where they end up, but not knowing how they get there. Um, what was the the first idea that came to you for Surrender the Dead that then birthed the story? Yeah, so. You know, again, you draw characters from people you know, and you draw plots from things that are tangentially ha- happening in your life. Um, I, my, my surrender to the dead has to do with a uh, woman and her father who have a troubled relationship based on things that happened in their past. Uh, she grew up in, a, in, in this small rural town in northeast Montana. Her father um, had, was a dairy farmer. and um, when she was early in her childhood, um, the, the the character um, was faced with, with with the unfortunate development of of people in her town started going missing. So one of her best friends went missing, and then over the course of the next several years, sixteen people went missing and were never found again. They, they went missing without a trace. And so what she, she, she eventually graduated from high school. She left, she got out and she decided she was going to reinvent herself. She was going to start a new life. Um, she was going to, you know, relocate to a different part of the country. And so she did, but her father becomes sick and she has to come back to Wolf Point where she grew up to help care for him. And when she does all of the things that happened back then come back. And they come back in a very real and, and, and present way because we learn very early in the book that there's been a body unearthed on her father's farm. And so now we have questions that arise. What is this body? Where did it come from? Is my, is my father responsible for the disappearances of all those people uh, that, 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 that disappeared all those years ago? And Will there be more bodies unearthed? And so that 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 storyline has a lot to do with this relationship between the the the, the woman and her father. And uh, you know, in my own life, um, my father's been caring for uh, my mother, who's been ill. Um, and it, I have I'm one of three siblings. My sister is the closest to to um, my my parents geographically, and so she has been able to. Um, you know, go down there and see them and, and, and tend to them in a way that I can't living uh, across the country. Um, and so it, it, I, I've been thinking about that relationship a lot. And I've been thinking about the things that test it. 
And I've been thinking about the the loyalties that that are involved in, in, in a deep familial relationship, even when things are going poorly. And so I think that's part of the crux of, of, of where I got the idea for the story. Speaking of your uh, personal family uh, connections, you grew up on the East Coast um, and now reside in California on the West Coast. Uh, do do you feel like that uh, that your sense of place, either where you were born and raised or where you live now, affect the types of stories that you tell? I know that you're fascinated with with small town life and how. Uh, you know, how people interact with each other and stuff. D- does any of that come from a, a sense of place for you? Sure. I mean, my, my hometown was a small town. And um, although I, 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 I currently live in a, a, a bit of a larger community in California, I oftentimes think back to, you know, the, the, the days when I was growing up uh, as a kid, you know, running around the, the, the streets and woods of, of Pasadena, Maryland. And, um, and, and, all the adventures that I had along the way. Um, I think I'm particularly drawn to uh, characters that are experiencing things during that age because it's a, it's an age of discovery. It's an age of development and, um, and, and, and people are kind of figuring out who they are. And so I generally, um, I, you know, in, in addition to incorporating that small town feel, I, of, I oftentimes will have parts of the book um, that explore the world through the eyes of, of children that are growing up. Because their their um, their take on the world is so different than than our take when we become adults, and so that's something else that I find really interesting as an author exploring that. It also helps me to uh, be able to go back in my own mind and 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 relive some of that time, which was a very influential uh, part of my life. The new book is "Surrender the Dead." It's out available everywhere now. Uh, when you're hearing this, the book came out yesterday. And you can get it in Kindle edition or uh, in, 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 you know, real live paper edition or audio book. Um, John, what do you think about your books being translated to audio? The, you know, there's a, a huge growth market in audio right now. It's, it's my favorite way to consume books uh, as, as I'm doing my task throughout the day. What do you think about hearing your books performed by someone? I think it's fun. You know, it's 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 almost like your book being you know put on film. It's a different type of um, interpretation in some ways. Uh, the voice sounds different than the voice sounds in your head when you're creating the book. Um, but it's fun to, to to hear someone take your work and to make it their own. I, I also know that it's 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 a, a great way to reach readers who um, you know are on the go. They want to listen in their car. They want to listen while they do other things. Um, and and so it's definitely becoming a, a an evolving medium that we can uh, share our work with readers. And so it's, I, I think it's great. Well, like I said at the beginning of the show, Surrender the Dead is a must-have uh, for fans of thrillers. And this is a, a book that will keep you guessing all the way through. Uh, we're going to put links to it in the show notes of this episode to make it easy for people to find. Uh, John, if people are just learning about you and want to dig into all the great stuff that, that you're doing, is there a place where they can connect with you online? Yes, you can uh, reach me online on my website, which is j-o-h-n dash j-o-h-n burley, b-u-r-l-e-y dot com. Um, and and um, you can also uh, find me on Amazon, on Twitter, on at, at John Burley um, Books and on Instagram and Facebook. 
Excellent. We'll put links to all those places in the show notes to make it easy for people to find you. John, this has been so much fun chatting. Thank you for taking time to come on the show today. Thank you so much, Hank. I really enjoyed it. Both Barrels Publishing is the brainchild of successful indie author James P. Sumner. He has self-published over 15 titles in the last five years and has over 800,000 downloads so far in his career, meaning he has a wealth of knowledge and experience to share with the indie publishing community. Knowing the struggles of the modern-day indie author as well as he does, he wanted to create a platform that would allow writers of any level to learn the ropes, navigate the pitfalls, and produce a professional novel without wasting time or money in the process. Both Barrels Publishing is the perfect one-stop shop for any indie author, combining James's expertise with his own team of editors and designers so you can help your novel realize its full potential and learn how to publish yourself. The purpose of Both Barrels Publishing is to help indie authors get their novels ready for publication without all the stress, hassle, and unnecessary expense. We want to make your lives easier, which is why we're giving you access to a top-notch team to publish your novels, along with a generous discount on their services. You can also work one-on-one with James to learn the intricacies of self-publishing. No hidden costs, no false promises. We simply want you to publish the best version of your novel. BothBarrelsPublishing.com